Welcome to the Erickson Covenant Podcast. We are so glad that you've joined us today. We confess that we don't have all the answers, but as a community, we seek to find and follow Jesus and to discover daily the life he has always wanted for us. We hope this message will be encouraging and will inspire you to take the next steps on your spiritual journey. If we can help you in any way, please connect with us. The easiest way is through our website at ericksoncovenant.ca. Let's get started. Well, it's good to be with you today. Every one of you, uh, if I haven't had a chance to meet you, my name is Tom. I'm the pastor here, and we're going to dive into our summer series. Hey, I have to ask, did anyone ever make a mixtape growing up? Anyone? Yeah? Wasn't it exciting when your parents got a vehicle that moved from an 8-track to a cassette tape? Anyone? That was for you rich kids because our our vehicle only had an AM, FM radio. (laughs) Cassette decks were like next level. You probably had power windows too, didn't you? But making a mixtape was kind of a thing in the 80s. It was a way you prepared for an epic road trip, right? Even if you had to, like me, get batteries for your ghetto blaster so we could ride in the seat beside you because you didn't have a cassette deck in your 63 Chev. But, and then, tell me, wasn't that also one of the ways you really tried to impress that girl? Guys, guys, wasn't it? You made the most op- epic mixtape ever. Like, no one had that. Ken, Ken White, do you still have them? Yes! Oh, Ken. Oh, Ken, this is fun. Friends, we've got to find out. We've got to take a little trip down memory lane with Ken and Valerie and listen to Ken's mixtape sometime. Oh, it's great. It's kind of like we'd set the soundtrack, right, for the summer of... Summer of what, Ken? 78. Uh, 78. Yeah, I was going to say 89, but that just tells a little difference there. Well, <laughs> these soundtracks, these, these, were, these were the ways we mark sometimes the summers or the events or the various things. And I was thinking about how nowadays we just have these playlists, right? Your, your Spotify has playlists, your YouTube has playlists. And man, if you don't pick a playlist, they pick one for you, right? It's called an algorithm. And then you get this random stuff in our household, the randomest playlist ever because you have four different people accessing the same Google account and look where it goes. But playlists are fun. They kind of group stuff together and you get in a groove and you think, oh, wow, look at this. Spotify made this playlist just for me. And so you listen to it and think, oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, whoever created this is pretty awesome. Well, for the summer, we're taking a break from our masterclass series in Luke. And we're going to dive into the playlist of God's people. That is the playlist of the 150 Psalms collected together over a series of years, and they're beautiful to hear. They have formed the soundtrack, you could say, for God's people for centuries. And our preaching team, that's Peter and Cheryl and Valerie and myself, will be looking together with you at this playlist over the summer. We'll just be pulling out 11 of the 150 and highlighting them as kind of like one of the playlists that we have created. But to together we can dive into this larger collection and maybe you will want to create and begin to pull aside and pull together a bit of a playlist for yourself 
Maybe you'll want to think uh, over the summer, what psalms have been encouraging for you in particular? Maybe you have a favorite psalm or two. Or maybe there's psalms that have really given you perspective during a difficult time. Or they've given voice to something deep within you that you couldn't put voice to, but when you read that psalm, oh, they, it just really expressed what you've been feeling, what you'd been struggling with. And that's how the playlist of the psalms works. And today we're going to start at the very beginning with Psalm 1. And in some ways, Psalm 1 is put at the front of the psalms for a reason, because it's meant to invite us into the whole playlist. It's meant to invite us into this whole collection of psalms with this invitation for us to meditate, to consider, and to delight. And so here, Psalm 1 this morning. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, meditates day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do, prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, The wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Psalm 1, from the New International Version. Now, I could teach you through this psalm today, and those of you who know me know I have no qualms about doing that. But I wanted to offer you a special resource for all of you Wherever you are in your Bible journey, in your faith journey, in your understanding of the Psalms, I wanted to offer you a resource for your inspiration and for your learning, particularly as we access this playlist this summer of the Psalms, but also more broadly speaking for your Bible growth and learning. I want to invite you uh, to learn with me today from Tim and John from the Bible Project. How many of you are familiar with the Bible Project? I encourage you, and one of the reasons why I'm highlighting them today, is to access the terrific work of the Bible Project. They will help you understand the Bible, not only books of the Bible, but themes of the Bible, particularly the Old Testament, which I know can be a bit opaque and difficult to access. They're a wonderful teaching resource aimed for you and I. Not only can you... um, watch tremendous amounts of uh, great content on YouTube, but on their website, they also have free classes that you can take. And so there is a tremendous resource. And so I wanted to highlight them to you, recommend them to you, but also as I looked through their content, they had a beautiful little five-minute video on Psalm 1. And so I thought as a way of highlighting that to us today, but as a way of benefiting from Tim and John's good work We'll watch together this five-minute clip on Psalm 1. The Biblical Book of Psalms is a collection of ancient Israelite poems. The first poem in this collection is Psalm 1. Psalm 1 is a reflection on two different ways of being human. There's the person who's like a blossoming tree of life planted by a stream. 
Then there's the person who's like chaff that's blown away in the wind. The poem begins, blessed is the man who. But what does that even mean to be blessed? Well, when we see the word bless in our Bibles, it could be translating one of two different Hebrew words. There's baruch, which describes a person who's experiencing God's favor and abundance in their lives. This usually gets translated as blessed. But Psalm 1 begins with a different word, ashrei. This word refers to what people say about a person who is baruch. It's a way to express how desirable and good it is when someone experiences God's blessing. It's like saying, hey, that person over there, they have the good life. So it could be translated, oh, the good life of the man. Exactly. And that good life results from three choices this person makes. It's the man who doesn't walk by the counsel of the wicked, doesn't stand in the path of sinners, and doesn't sit in the seat of mockers. Notice the progression here. The man goes from walking, then to standing, then to sitting. It's a progression from movement towards becoming stuck. Right. And these three words are three destructive ways of being human that you can get trapped in. So the wicked is the kind of person who's morally backwards. They think that evil is good and good is evil. Sinner is a word that refers to missing the target. And in the Bible, the target is loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself. So sin is a failure to love others well. And the mocker is somebody who can't even appreciate goodness or beauty anymore. They're so jaded, all they can do is show contempt for anything that's not like themselves. So this is an invitation to stop and meditate on how our choices slowly shape us over time. Right. And speaking of meditating, that's where the poem goes next. Rather, his delight is in the instruction of Yahweh. And on his instruction, he meditates day and night. That word instruction is the Hebrew word Torah, which means God's teaching or wisdom. And notice the symmetry of this sentence. He delights in the instruction. On the instruction, he meditates. I meditate on what I delight in. And the more I meditate, the more I delight. These two lines are like an infinity loop. Now, this word meditate is the Hebrew word Hagah. It's used elsewhere to describe the sound of a pigeon cooing or of a bear moaning as it chews its food. For humans, it means quietly reciting the words of Scripture aloud or in your mind as a way to focus your attention so that these words become part of you. And that kind of meditation is the pathway to the good life? Apparently. Let's read on to see why. And he will become like a tree planted by streams of water, which gives its fruit in its time, and its leaf does not wither. And everything he does, he makes it successful. So earlier in the poem, there was a planting yourself that leads to ruin. But through meditating on God's instruction, you can plant yourself in a way that brings life. And notice all the Garden of Eden language. A tree growing by streams of water, abundant fruit, leaves that never wither. This is like being a tree of life. Yes. When humans meditate on and live by God's instruction, they begin to taste abundant life for themselves and for others. And that's why it's called success, which links us back to the opening word, ashray. God's wisdom leads to the good life. And with that, the poem's first part comes to a close, and the second part begins. But not so the wicked. Rather, he is like chaff that the wind drives away. So notice the contrast. One kind of person is like a tree firmly planted, full of fruit, while the other person is like an empty husk of wheat 
that flakes off and blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. Remember, the meditator decides not to stand in the path of sinners. And that contrasts now with the wicked who are unable to stand when God brings justice. Because Yahweh knows the path of the righteous, but the path of the wicked will perish. And so we end where we begin, choosing between two paths, two ways of being human that lead to flourishing life or withering ruin. And the difference is about what you meditate on. Yeah, this poem and all of God's instruction are designed for a lifetime of meditation, reading and rereading slowly, allowing it to guide all of our choices. And the result is to become a tree of life for others. Terrific stuff from the Bible Project. And so I wanted to offer that resource to you so that you uh, can be encouraged uh, to access it. Um, but also because it was a great just summary of what we're looking at with Psalm, Psalm 1. But let's take a few moments just to reflect a little bit more on our response, our response as we consider Psalm 1. I love how it describes the life of someone who is blessed or someone who is flourishing, what it looks like in their lives today, but also in the future, kind of where it goes. The Psalms, and particularly Psalm 1, is part of a genre within the scripture called wisdom literature. I think we know that. Um, and in wisdom literature, a lot of, it, a lot of times it's describing the differences between ways of living, paths, as we saw in Psalm 1. A, a life of wisdom or a life of folly. A life that's lived under God's guidance or a life that rejects God's ways. It's seen really clearly in some of the classic proverbs that we know about where they'll talk about, you know, a wise person does this and a foolish person does this. And they'll contrast by describing often just what is the case. When you look at someone's life, this is the case. This is what you see. This is what shows up. They describe something to us that they consider critical so that we can respond by asking, what way do I want to go? What life do I want to live? And as we identify the life of someone who's flourishing or blessed, someone who is wise or godly, we can say, well, what's true about their lives so that I can incorporate those same actions, those same characteristics, that same heart into my life so I can grow in wisdom by following the wise. To be wise, we need to mimic the wise. To flourish, we need to copy the flourishing. Uh, some of you know, and some of you have been asking, I'm two weeks away from running uh, my biggest mountain race ever, uh, the Sinister 7 uh, 50-mile race in the Crow's Nest Pass, just under two weeks from now. Now, I think you all know I am not an elite runner. Uh, I'm not overly talented. And so I really have had to train for this thing. And so in order to train for it, I studied what elite and talented runners do. I looked at how they trained principles they follow, how they plan, prepare, how they think, what they eat and drink, not only beforehand, but during the race itself, when they rest, how to properly recover, all that stuff. I watched what they did, and then I copied that. The best I could, of course, and within my own limitations of my own life. But what I did is I looked at those who were elite and talented, 
And then I tried to mimic what they were doing to some extent so that I could go out there and do my very best. Now, their goal, of course, is to win the race. And my goal is to finish alive. So there's slightly different goals there. But my point is, if I want to do the best that I can do, then I need to copy the practices of those who are the best of anyone. And by doing that, I hope that on July 8th, that whatever does happen, I've done my best to make the best of it. Well, Psalm 1 is kind of like this. Wisdom literature is like this. Psalm 1 describes the life of a flourishing, blessed person and then hones in on what kind of characterizes their life, what kind of characterizes their flourishing, so that we'll ask, how would I incorporate that into my life? And so let's just consider for a moment our response as we look at Psalm 1. Psalm 1 describes people who are flourishing and blessed by sort of three things. They decide who they're influenced by, they choose what they internalize, and they know where they invest their time. Let's take them each in turn. First, blessed, flourishing people decide who they're influenced by. They don't walk. They don't sit, they don't stand with mockers and sinners and the wicked. And so the question immediately when we come to Psalm 1 is to ask, who am I influenced by? Who is influencing me? And I think we're invited to respond to this wisdom psalm by questioning ourselves, asking, what are the people, what are the primary influences who is, is determining some of my thoughts or my actions or the things I'm involved with? Because the choices we make about who will influence us is absolutely critical. We know you have friends, maybe work colleagues, who seem to imbibe a culture of negativity. It seems like when they meet with their friends, all they do is tear down other people, talk negatively about this or that. That seems to be just the juice they drink. Do you know what I'm saying? Then there are others you get together with, and they seem incredibly, um, you know, they only talk about one thing, maybe gardening or maybe painting or maybe running. Uh, You know, there's people like that. And then there's others you get together with, and you think, wow, when I'm with those people, I just feel lifted up. They're positive. they're, They're energetic. We know that that's true. And when we examine our own lives, we can also ask, who's influencing me? Sometimes by even ask, what's happening around me? What kind of conversations am I part of? What's affecting my heart and my mind? What's, what's causing me to think about, ruminate over? That'll be the next point. But even the who we're influenced by has tremendous effect on us. Now, I know some of you are stuck in relationships with people you can't get away from who are negative. Don't say amen. But I know some of you are. You're married to someone who's negative. You're with, you're with all the time. Maybe you work with someone who will, will, if you let them, would really influence your heart and mind in a negative way. And so acknowledging that means you have to ask the question, how do I offset that? How do I make sure that in my life I'm also being influenced by people who are positive, people that encourage me in my walk with Christ, people that ask me good questions, Uh, People that involve me in positive things, who draw my attention and my mind to the good and the beautiful and the true, the things we're to meditate on, as Paul says in Philippians 4. 
We ask who we're influenced by because we want to be more intentional about choosing, deciding, actually having influence over who we're being influenced by. That's why we continually highlight the need for spiritual friendships. To have someone that you walk with regularly to discuss how you're doing, how your walk with Christ is going. We continue to encourage, and as we move into the fall, we'll be strongly encouraging joining into a small group here, part of Erickson Covenant Church. Even just gathering in these moments like this on a Sunday, just to be around people who are focusing their attention on God, listening to his word, wanting to be influenced by each other and encouraged by each other to focus our attention on the God who made us and what it means to follow him. And so who we're influenced by is critical. And so that's the first question I invite you to ask. Who are you influenced by? This is the kind of thing that you might need to take with you. You might need to journal about it, think about it, to actually begin to identify who it is in your life that's influencing you. And if there's an invitation there, to make a change. Second, blessed, flourishing people choose what they internalize. We see this emphasis in Psalm 1 on the person, the blessed person, meditating, ruminating upon, thinking about, delighting in. And so the question immediately comes to us, what are we putting in our minds? What are we internalizing? We know the old saying, garbage in, garbage out, really is true. What's gristing in your mill these days? What do you find your mind continually drawn toward? What's affecting the the, the headspace? What's taking up rent? Is it some doom scrolling through Facebook or or Instagram? Is it, is it a certain commentator on YouTube or a podcast? Is it, is it a worry? Is it a, an obs- a obsession with something? Is it a, a negative resentment that you've been carrying? What is it that's taking up your headspace? What are you thinking about? What are you internalizing? What are you taking in? Is it just binge after binge of Netflix? Is it, is it a certain type of, of uh, media, a certain type of input? Is it certain conversations that you're having? But what's, what are you putting in your mind? This is what Psalm 1 challenges us to think about because it's drawing attention to how a blessed person, a flourishing person, is a person who is continually meditating on the good instruction of God, the ways of God, and letting that affect and influence all of their life. And so it challenges us to ask, well, what am I putting into my mind? Is it God's word? Am I allowing God's word to take up a predominant space in my heart and my mind? Am I making sure that I have God's truth coming in regularly, maybe from different angles with intention, so that I'm filling my mind, choosing to fill my mind with the truth of who Jesus is? of what God is doing, of his perspective on me and what it means to be human on the world and where he's going with it. What are we putting into our minds? Blessed, flourishing people choose what they internalize. And then the third, and of course related to it, but it is a particular focus on how blessed people, flourishing people, know where they invest their time. There's a, there's a, there's a sense in which they they. they they are committed to this practice a lot. We saw how they meditate day and night. 
Do you get a sense from this meditating on day and night that it's not a five-minute slot that they shoved in before breakfast? Now, I'm not criticizing the five-minute slot that you shove in before breakfast. In fact, for those of us who are just exploring faith, those of us who are new to the Scripture, or those of us who follow Jesus for a long time, but if you're really, really honest, you'd admit to yourself and maybe someone else that you haven't picked up your Bible for a long time, putting the five-minute slot in before breakfast might be the exact step you need to take to get in deeper. Okay, so I'm not criticizing that. But what I'm noticing here is that this is a person who is, is so caught up with and taken up with God's instruction that their minds are thinking about it, rolling through it, taking it in day and night. In contrast to the, 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 the walk, uh, stand, sit business, where there's a commitment to be with those or not be with those types, there's this day and night rumination and thinking about, taking in. And so it asks the question to me, to us, what are we giving our time to? I mean, just purely on a, like, if you were to add up the hours or the minutes, where does your time get put in terms of what you're thinking about, in terms of what you're doing, in terms of what you're focused upon? What are we giving our mind to? Some of you know, and some of you don't want to know, that your phones will actually log how much time you spend on social media. Do you know that? Have you ever looked? Some of you need to be sitting down when you do. Some of you are thinking, oh, I don't do that sort of thing. But maybe you spend your day frenetically worrying about someone else. Or maybe there's a simmering resentment that you are also meditating on. I don't know what it might be for you, but asking the question, what am I giving my time to? Not just in my actions, that's critical, but also in my thoughts, in my, my ruminations, what's flitting through my mind on a continual basis throughout the day. We can actually spend some time thinking about that, noticing it, even asking maybe a close friend or asking God to help you identify what am I actually spending my time on? If you were to log it out during the day, and I know that's kind of hard to do, but if you were kind of to like log it out, would you find that, uh, well, you know, I spend a couple, I spend a couple hours a day worrying about my son. Or I spend a couple hours a day obsessing about what someone uh, thinks of me. Or I, I just spend a couple hours a day just spinning in anxiety. I don't know what it is, but to begin to identify what am I investing my time in? What am I giving my time to? Because as the Spirit will help us understand where our time goes, it can have a critical effect on us and the choices that we make to actually give our time to the things that matter, particularly giving time to this meditation, reflection upon, and internalizing of God's truth through his word. Um, Dave Ramsey says you need to know where your money's going so you can tell it where to go. Have you ever heard that? If you don't know where your money's going, you can't tell where to go. Well, it's the same with time, actually. If you don't know where your time is going, it's hard to tell it where to go. And so to have a proactive stance of saying, what am I spending my time on? But particularly, what am I letting my mind spend my time on? Because some of you are terrific multitaskers. And you can be doing a lot of different things with your hands or your feet or your arms, but still thinking about ruminating over other things. So what are you giving your time to? 
These are three questions for us as we look at Psalm 1 and see, this is what a blessed, flourishing person looks like. And so how can I learn from them? How can I make a choice about who influences me and make a deliberate choice to begin including people who influence me toward this delight in who God is, delight in his word, so that I'm beginning to internalize the truth of who God is, which then affects the way that I invest my time in what God says and who he's doing, letting that shape me. It all comes down to this final point. What delights us? Because delight is destiny. This is actually what the, where the psalm kind of takes us, right? He, it focuses on the destiny, the, the, the end result of the righteous in contrast to the wicked, the flourishing, fruitful in contrast to the wind-blown chaff. And it all hinges on delight. What do they delight in? Psalm 1 sits at the head of this 150-song playlist. It calls us all, but other psalms do too, like Psalm 19 or Psalm 119, call us to make God's words, God's Torah, God's ways, God's instruction, the focus of our delight. And to know that as we delight in God's words, as we delight in his word come flesh, Jesus Christ, there will be a flourishing that takes place in our lives. This is the promise, but this is also just the description. This is what it looks like, and it invites us to respond. And so this morning, that's what I wanted to offer to you. Yes, I wanted to offer you resources. First, the Bible Project, which I just want to highlight again. I invite you, um, here's a little homework for you. This week, particularly if you've never looked at the Bible Project before, to look up the Bible Project, uh, next picture. There's a picture on there, Ken. Yeah, they have a How to Read the Bible um, series, which is great, by the way, the whole series, especially if you're new to the Bible. Wow. Actually, I'm not new to the Bible. I have a grad degree, and I learned great stuff from it. So all of you, watch it. Anyway, um, How to Read the Bible series kind of breaks it all up. Terrific stuff, real short. But they have one in the Psalms, so we want to try that. And then uh, one thing the Bible Project is known for, these amazing graphics. Now, that looks overwhelming, but what they do is they do a teaching on the Scripture, which they actually draw this as you're watching in nice close-up, and then that's sort of the final shot. But there it is on the Psalms. You'll learn tremendous stuff in the Psalms, and it will actually motivate and inspire you to dive into this summer in the Psalms to begin to identify your own playlist within this big collection. And so I just want to highlight the Bible project again. But the second thing I want to highlight to you is um, a a, a labor of love project by a a group. um, I I think Canny brought this group to me. Poor Bishop Hooper. You told me about this group, didn't you, Canny? Jesse and Leah Roberts, uh, it was inspired during during the pandemic and then they, they did it over three years. What they did is they wrote a, a song every week and, and like produced it, brought it out to the world uh, for three years because there's 150 uh, psalms. Over a course of three years, they set a song based on the next psalm every week. And it is a beautiful resource that I just invite you, again, YouTube or Spotify or wherever, probably wherever you listen to stuff. Not your old cassette, mind you, but other than that. Um, you can find Poor Bishop Hooper and uh, just listen to some of their psalms. And maybe there's a particular psalm that you have enjoyed or you've loved. Listen to what, you know, maybe you'll like it, maybe you won't. But it's a beautiful way 
of just taking in the Psalms. The Psalms were meant to be received and heard, but also sung. And so uh, you have the Bible project where you can learn and grow and be motivated and inspired that way. Maybe a little more on the left brain side of things. But then there's, there's this beautiful responsiveness that we can make through, this is one resource, there are others, but this is one resource of hearing uh, poor Bishop Hooper sing these songs to us. And so I just wanted to uh, highlight that second resource to you. And uh, as we, as we you know, think about that, I thought I would take the song that they sang, that they wrote uh, based on Psalm 1, and sing it for you as response today. Um, and so I'm going to sing it. But um, as I do, as I sing that, I just invite you to meditate yourself. We asked some great questions here at the beginning of what's influencing us and, and what are we putting in our minds and uh, where are we investing our time. And as you hear uh, this song, Psalm 1 by poor Bishop Hooper, and I'll sing it, I just invite you to let that uh, meditate and think about uh, some of those questions and see where the Holy Spirit leads you. Thanks for listening in today. We hope you feel encouraged and challenged. If you know someone who would benefit from what you have heard today, please share this podcast. For more information, or if you have questions, you can connect with us through our website, ericksoncovenant.ca. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for Erickson Covenant Church.